I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello there, Foo followers. Ben Johnson here, the host of the Kung Fu Movie Guide podcast, reminding you that if you would like to support this show, we have a donations link available. Any spare pennies you may have would be greatly received to help with the upkeep of this show, the website, the social media accounts and so on. Simply head over to paypal.me forward slash Kung Fu Movie Guide to donate whatever you can. And a huge thank you to any listeners who have supported us over the years. You have our gratitude okay thank you and on with the show well if you're really so determined to have a fight then i'll oblige (laughs) hello ladies and gentlemen boys and girls food followers around the world welcome back to the kung fu move guy podcast We are back from a brief mid-season break. This is the first episode of 2023 for this podcast, so a very happy new year to you all. I do hope you're all doing okay wherever you are in the world listening to this. This is episode 87 of the Kung Fu Movie Guy podcast, and it features a nice rambly conversation with the Hong Kong movie expert, casting director, producer, writer, journalist and actor, Mike Leader. You might know him as Big Mike Leader on social media. His voice may already be very familiar to you all through his many audio commentaries in recent years for Blu-ray reissues of classic Hong Kong movies for numerous companies across the UK, USA and Europe. Mike is actually someone I have wanted to properly sit down and have a proper conversation with for many, many years. Since the very inception of this podcast, in fact, back in 2016, he was someone that I initially reached out to way back then and we finally managed to make it happen now so that's fantastic he's been living out in hong kong now for over 30 years and he's been involved in some of the best martial arts movies that hong kong and asia in general has produced during that time from fist of legend to fearless true legend to once upon a time in china man of tai chi the raid 2 the Ip man films the list of movies that mike's been involved in is extraordinary he's met and interviewed and worked with everyone all the legends of martial arts action cinema and he is a walking encyclopedia of knowledge when it comes to hong kong and asian action movies we've chatted back and forth quite a bit over social media for many years but we've never properly sat down and had a proper conversation so it was an absolute treat to chat with mike leader that is coming up on today's show more on that in a moment just a quick update on how you can contact the show the best way to reach out to me is through our email address that's hello at kungfumovieguide.com we are also on Instagram and Facebook at Kung Fu Movie Guide. Twitter seems to be going through a few changes of late that I've noticed so the volume of tweeting has gone down a little bit but we are still currently on that platform for the time being at least the Twitter handle is at KF Movie Guide. there's a YouTube account as well I do put the odd little 
podcast trailer up there every once in a while. There's a new one that's recently gone up with Scott Adkins in anticipation of the release, of course, of John Wick Chapter 4, which is coming out soon. Uh, go to YouTube, and if you search for Kung Fu Movie Guide, you should be able to find us there. And of course, you can read all the latest martial arts movie reviews and sign up to our newsletter via the website kungfumovieguide.com. The best way to make sure that you never miss a brand new episode of this podcast is to subscribe using your podcast provider of choice. And if you can leave us a star rating or write a little review, that will be hugely appreciated. That helps others to find the show. So if you have already done that, thank you very much. Okay, without any further ado, let's throw over now to my conversation with Mike Leader. This was recorded some time ago now. It was back in July 2022. I was here in the UK and Mike was in Hong Kong. And if you have ever been to Hong Kong, then you will know that it is quite a busy and noisy place and you can hear quite a bit of that uh, noise in the background of this recording but hopefully it's not too distracting we had quite a frank and open conversation there's also a little bit of swearing in this i think a few f-bombs have snuck in there so just to pre-warn you about that we do cover a lot of ground in this conversation it is a little bit all over the place so do strap in sit back and enjoy a couple of middle-aged white British guys talking about Hong Kong movies. I will be back at the end of this conversation to sign off properly and also update to you all on what Mike is currently working on, some really exciting projects in the pipeline. But before all that, here we go then. Here is my conversation with the great Mike Leader. Whereabouts in Hong Kong are you? Uh, I, I live very close to the old Shaw Studio. Oh, lovely! Uh, yes. So bizarrely, there's a uh, there's another film studio where we shot Big Brother, uh, Kickboxer, yeah, bits of Chasing the Dragon, etc. That's literally at the end of my road. One of the most stupid things was when I first moved there. I was doing a documentary called The Art of Action with Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah. Um, and we were filming in the studio at the end of my road. So all my crew endlessly gave me shit about it, about how easy it was for me until I had to point out that every morning a car would come, pick me up, drive me 45 minutes into town to pick up the director. We would then drive all the way back. Yeah. And then at night, drive back to TST, have a meeting, and then I would come home. So, yeah. Okay. yeah but yeah, how's yeah. everything with you, young sir? We've only been about five or seven years talking about doing this. So, I know, I know. I was going to say, Mike, because uh, I think when I started this, you were sort of top of mind as someone to speak to and just sort of pick your brains. We've managed to get this to uh, to happen today, so this is awesome. And but I feel like I know you quite well. I feel like I've heard I've heard your voice on audio commentaries. I've followed you on social for a long time. So yeah, so this is awesome to to be able to chat no, like no, no. And it's, it's great to see the podcast because i keep telling anna i'm like anna we should do a podcast because one of the bizarre things is a lot of the celebrities if if they talk in english they're much more open about stuff yeah is the language barrier a bit of an issue as as well though i mean although um, do you it can be because like like i've been here God, 32 years. My Cantonese is pretty good. Before I came to Hong Kong, you're like, oh, Hong Kong is a British colony. The official languages are English and, and Cantonese. Everybody yeah. will speak English. And very quickly upon arrival, I was like, 
okay, the books lied. This is, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's frustrating sometimes when you're doing like a, a video interview because, or like an audio commentary because you go, I really wish I could get this person to do a commentary, but we'd have to subtitle the commentary. And and, then, and there's some people who just, the, the thing that is very frustrating, I'm sure you've had is there are some people who just don't want to be interviewed. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. like Joseph Lai fr- from IFD Films, I'm, I'm, I think I'm the only person who ever interviewed him. With Joseph, as soon as the camera or any recording inf- equipment is off, suddenly he's telling you all these great stories and you're like, can I yeah. get these on tape? Yeah. No, no, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> Mike, you must have had this as well. Where they're just amazed that these guys, particularly in the West, have come over and just know their work so well. I know oh, that, oh no, um, I mean, 100%. I just finished the movie with uh, Herman Yao and Nicholas Jair. The funny thing was like, me and Herman were talking about movies and Nicholas Jair's like, wait a minute, what kind of movie is this? Because we're talking about like Ebola syndrome and everything. And, and like Nicholas Jair's like, I have never even heard of this movie. I need to go and watch it now. Yeah. You know, yeah. because... The frustrating thing in Hong Kong is Hong Kong doesn't know its own films. One of the things that's always been very weird is Hong Kong cinema kind of regard, regards itself as McDonald's that, you know, you eat it and then you move on. So like when I first arrived, people could not comprehend. What do you mean that Ben has seen my movie 20 times? Yeah. You know, like, how is that possible? Because there was no sell through market. There was no collectibles and they were very confused by people ha- actually having a collection of their movies at least you know in london there's there's shops where you can buy memor- film memorabilia like you yeah. can buy posters and things everything when i arrived in hong kong I, I i was amazed that none of that existed here you know that yeah you couldn't buy a movie poster or a magazine or you know it was like people were like why would you want to do that well, you see that with, I mean, just down the road from you there, the old Shaw Brothers lot. I mean, that's just gone to wreck and ruin now, hasn't it? Um, it's all yes, overgrown. Yes and, and no. Yeah. The, the, the thing is, yeah. they, they moved everything to a brand new studio. Basically, Shaw's built the best film studio in Asia and do yeah. nothing with it. Yeah. Um, the old studio, they just, they moved everything out. They built a new studio. They built a new TVB. They moved a lot of stuff, but it's that same thing of like, there's stuff just sitting there rotting that you try and tell them, hey, look, can I come in and just take that? No. Yeah. yeah. But you're just leaving it there to rot. Yeah. Like Golden Harvest, when Golden Harvest closed, they just they just moved out and just left everything there. I've argued with the government and gone, put up a plaque, put up a, you know, in, you know, put up something, invite Kung Fu Bob or just do a thing and ask people yeah. to design a poster. Something, you know, this was once the site of Golden Harvest. You know, nobody yeah. does that. Like, uh, if you go to Manchester, the old Hacienda nightclub is yeah. now apartments, but it's the Hacienda apartments. Yeah. You know, that, yeah. so it's like, but in Hong Kong, they'll, you know, it's like, that's the problem there's no preservation it's so strange to me as well mate you think of how huge the hong kong film industry was and what it meant as well globally you know it was the third largest film industry in the world at one at one stage you think that they would protect that legacy a bit a bit no, more I mean, it just it's seemed, like even yeah. even the bruce lee statue on the waterfront that was yeah. not paid for by the government that was paid for by private collectors yeah. you know and Crazy. it's like the hong kong government is very good at, at taking the credit for it and like it's frustrating because you try and say, like, guys, 
you know, people came to Hong Kong, people got to know Hong Kong because of Hong Kong film. Yeah. I've said to the, the tourist association, you know, let's work out a tour where you can tell people, okay, this is the Bruce Lee tour. These are the, you know, this is the old Miramar hotel where Bruce Lee used to have his meetings. This is the old golden harvest. This is this, you know, even just as a pamphlet that people could pick up at the tourist association, just listing the locations. Yeah. And why would we do that? It's almost like sometimes you go, is the Hong Kong government kind of like ashamed of Hong Kong cinema? Yeah. Because they're, they're, because yeah, is that what's really going on here? <laughs> like when Celestial started releasing the Shaw Brothers movies, you have to say the Shaw Brothers movies hadn't been seen since they'd been at the cinema in Hong Kong. Yeah, they'd never been released on video here. Nobody at Celestial knew there were different versions. So when Celestial like here's the version of the Chinatown Kid, and everyone complained it was the shorter version. Nobody at Celestial knew there was a longer version, and no one at Shaw's would say, hey, Ben, here's the longer version, here's the international version, here's the yeah. shorter version. You know, there's certain films, like even say hard-boiled, there is not a negative for hard-boiled. Yeah, that just blows my mind. <laughs> I mean, and you go, that's, that's only 30 years ago. Yeah, it's not that, but, not that you, old. And you go, and it's not like, oh, it, you know, hard-boiled was a movie that was released 30 years ago and only in the last year has anyone appreciated it. But you go, yeah. Yeah. like I gave Herman Yell the story of Ricky and a whole bunch of the, the, the 88 films releases. And he was like, holy shit. He's like, this, this is awesome. Yeah, he's like, but why won't anyone do that in Hong Kong? Hmm. Not bad at all. You've been there for, as you say, 30 plus years. Yes. And when you landed, obviously, you know, that's at the height of the you know, the Hong Kong boom. Oh, you know, those were the days, 400 movies, movies a year. Insane, oh. yeah. But obviously now, I know, well, COVID it hit every film industry pretty hard, but, you know, the, the, they're not making the same no, the, scale part of, of, of Part of the problem now. was Hong Kong film was such a perfect market, it killed itself. Because you have to understand... You could pre-sell a movie. You could go, okay, my movie's got Ben in it and Kenneth Brosson and this guy and that guy. And they'd be like, okay, I'll buy it. It got lazy. Like, hmm. you know, they, for a while, were kind of like, oh, we, we, we can make money. We're fine. Yeah. And then the thing with the China market is the China market is so big. If yeah. the, I hate to say it. It's very easy to say, oh, but I'm an artist and everything. No, you want to make money. Ben, yeah. if you make your movie for Hong Kong, the most money I can give you is a million dollars to make your movie because you're yeah. maybe at the, the best budget, best box office you'll get in Hong Kong is maybe seven to $14 million. Mm. If you make your movie for China, I can give you a hundred million dollars and you can make a billion dollars. Yeah. Yeah. So everyone's and, like, well, and, I'll go to China and get the bigger budgets. Yeah. yeah. And let's not forget, Mike, because even, you know, the whole foundation of Shaw Brothers was they made Mandarin films specifically for, for the Chinese diaspora that weren't, yeah. it, they weren't making necessarily Hong Kong films. No, you know, I mean, that's, that's the thing so. as well. Movies would be rewritten in the dubbing room. You know, like, oh, okay, let's add a political comment. Let's add a topical moment. Da, 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 da. You know, it was just, it was such a production line. Yeah. It's like a like a Once Upon a Time in China too. We finished the reshoots on the Monday morning, and it previewed on the Saturday that week. Wow! And and you wow. go that and that was on film. The the changes that could happen between a midnight show and the release the following Thursday, because if the critic if the audience didn't like it, 
then go back and re-edit the movie. There's all these bizarre things where, depending on you know, which territory you saw a Hong Kong movie, you could see a very different version. And even on video, like a, there's a movie called The Master Strikes with Casanova Wong and Ching Su Dong. Yeah. And when it was dubbed into English and put on video, the reels are in the wrong order. So if you watch the English dub, you go, oh, Ching Su, you know, Casanova Wong is a schizophrenic hero because he's like one minute talking to you, the next minute he's trying to kill you. I finally watched the Chinese version. It was like, oh, the reels are in the wrong order. He's just gradually becoming insane. You know, and I was like, it's totally changed the movie. Yeah, you know, like mad. the thing as well is like because of Hong Kong law, because Hong Kong was a British colony, they had to put subtitles on things. So it made Hong Kong films accessible. Mm-hmm. You know, Hong Kong cinema was just for 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 about twenty five years was a perfect blend. You know, you could you could do everything. Yeah. And just yeah. unfortunately, I think people got caught up on trying to get into Hollywood and then trying yeah, to change that's what that's what I was going to say. I think in the 90s, you started having that exodus to Hollywood. Jet Li did it. Jackie Chan did it. Samo went over and did martial law. So there was that sort of transitional period, wasn't there, I guess? That, yeah, and um, also the, the, which the, transformed. the, the yeah. audience in Hong Kong changed. Like, um, it didn't matter if you were good looking or not. If you could fight, people would go, I'll go see your movie. Yeah. The market changed and people went, oh, that guy's really ugly. I don't want to see him in a movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who? And that was the problem. So, like, that's why there's a huge gap between certain where you go, there's like almost like a 10, 15 year period where you go, there was no new blood. That's why it's so great with Nicholas Nicholas J coming back with a vengeance with Raging Fire and now Customs Front Line. I mean, like, Customs Front Line, I mean, he's he's action directing, he's doing all the the stunts. You know, it's full on. And you go, that's what we've been waiting for. Yeah, because for the longest time, nobody was willing to do that. And with Nicholas, he was off being a chef for 10 years. Yeah. Yeah, like he was- Celebrity chef, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he he had his own thing at McDonald's of of burgers and everything. Yeah, yeah. it was great, but you were going, Nick, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, Max Chang as well, and uh, Philip Ng's been no, doing Phil- great Philip work Ng in Hong awesome. Kong. And- Max, yeah. the problem is, everybody signed Max to contracts after SPL2. Yeah. But nobody sat down and went, Max needs to work on his acting and to be... Sure. And then, they, of course, there's that terrible Invincible Dragon movie, which is just... yeah. Like we, that that movie, I to this day do not know how Fruit Chain got people to fund that movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, because you go, yeah, there's really a dragon at the end. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. yeah. The instinct is to say, well, you know, Hong Kong. Okay, so the volume of films has gone down, but there's not to say that the quality has necessarily changed. Because look at the Ip Man series or, uh, you know, Benny Chan's movies during that. No, exactly. Time, or, there's still you, that thing. It's just there's not the quantity. Yeah, yeah. And that's the problem. And also, I think the thing that people kind of conveniently forget is a lot of people got into Hong Kong film when they were suddenly, say, the internet was there. So you could go online and go, oh, I just saw a John Woo movie. What are the 10 best Hong Kong movies? Yeah. Sometimes the problem is people didn't fall in love fully because you only saw the best stuff in one go. So, like, if the first five Hong Kong movies you saw were like Dragons Forever, you know, Eastern Condors, Riding Wrongs, The Killer, and A Better Tomorrow, you're a little bit spoiled. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you, you, you know. yes. 
and everything. Like you have to have those things where you sat down and you watched mismatched couples and all these movies and went, (laughs) I sat through this movie and there was some really cool stuff in it. There was some complete lunacy, but it was great. Yeah. (laughs) Function Hai, you can't fool me this time. I won't go until I've killed you. Okay, so Ben, where in England do you live, sir? Whereabouts in yeah, England? Yeah, yeah. Well, um, Mike, I was going to say because I'm in—I think I'm in your old stomping ground. Well, South Norwich, but I'm very near Croydon. It's basically well, hey, Croydon. South Norwich. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh my God! <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, because yeah, you're you're a Croydon boy. Is that? I'm a, is I'm, that right? I'm a Croydon yeah. boy. And I escaped before they closed the borders. It's like yeah. You know. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> where are you watching these movies? Were you going into Chinatown and getting? Uh, okay, mo- the, the uh, funny thing is, or? yeah. I was originally the guy who used to take the piss out of kung fu movies. Right. Like, because all my fr- my friends would read anything, and I would go, these movies are stupid. You're like, before I fight you, I'm going to show you my kung fu style. And, yeah. you know, and half the time they were, you know, widescreen transferred to, to pan and scan. So, like, you know, the, the framing, everything made no oh, sense. So bad. Yeah. And then one afternoon, I, me and my friends bunked off school. And we watched a double bill on the rank video with the Neil Adams artwork of Snake and the Eagle Shadow and Drunken Master. Yeah. yeah. And I okay. fell in love. When was that? So we're talking, well, obviously that, that was That's in probably about when those movies came 80, out. 82. Early 80s. Yeah, amazing. And I just amazing. fell in love with, with, I was like, I need to watch everything. So I joined every single video club I could because yeah. those were the days where you'd be like, well, Ben's video club has a copy of Street Fighter with Sonny Chiba. <laughs> Yeah. You know, and Ben doesn't check your ID. Ben will rent you anything. You know, yeah. So yeah. back then they used to show kung fu movies. There used to be a cinema in Croydon called the was the ABC Cinema, then the Canon Croydon. Uh, it's in it's in West Croydon now. I think it was a Bollywood cinema for a while. I think it's gone now. But like a yeah. that used to show movies like a midnight shows on Saturdays, and then in Streatham and Brixton they used to show them. So I started yeah. making inroads up to there. I started going up into Chinatown, trying to buy stuff, trying to find stuff. There was no internet, so it was like, you know, you you, you believed that if Samuel Hung was in a movie, he must have directed it. Yeah. And you know, we all thought that, that Yun Bu, Yun Wuping, Yun Wa, they were all related because they were all called yeah, Yun. Yeah. You know. But that was the joy of discovering that at that time because it's all like your fingertips now, isn't it? I mean, I know I sound like an old man just saying that, but I do remember, you know, Toby and Ricky would do their things and then bring these VHS videos back and do these copies. But having to go into London and finding the shop and all this stuff. Oh no, you know, exactly. There was a sense that was of part like of discovery the about it. Yeah, yeah, it was exactly. And exactly. it's like it's like when I first came to Hong Kong, even going to the cinema, you had to appreciate this. You would go to the cinema and you would go, I'd like to buy a ticket for Police Story Three. Excuse me, sir. You do know this is a Chinese movie. Right. And I'd be like, yeah. 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 But it's got English subtitles. Okay, we're just checking. I was like, are you stopping all the Chinese people when they go to see Pretty Woman and telling them this yeah. is an English movie? <laughs> yeah, true, true. But they were just not used to having a Westerner going to yeah. see those movies. I would be the only Westerner in the cinema. Yeah. yeah. You know, and you know, and ninety percent of the audience would be like, there's a white guy in the cinema. What's he doing? There's one thing though, Mike, I guess just being, you know, obsessed and loving those movies, but then to actually say, Well, I'm gonna get on a plane and go to Hong Kong. Oh no, um, I mean so exactly yeah, quite like a with that, I was working in a in Orders of Croydon. Uh, like it yeah, was a yeah. big department store next yeah. to the Whitmere Centre, and I just 
I, you know, I, was, I joined the nine to five and I was just doing that. And I, I was bored shitless. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I, it was just one of the things, and I'd talk to people who worked there and, real, and there'd be all these people who were like, yeah, I just joined for a couple of weeks, but I've been here for 25 years and everything. Yes. And yeah. I was like, oh, I don't know about that. And then um, just one day I thought, sorry, I'm just going to go to Hong Kong and like have a holiday. And if I'm lucky, maybe I'll get to see a movie being shot or whatever. So I jumped on a plane and I thought I'd be here for maybe a couple of weeks and 32 years, I'm, I'm still here. <laughs> so talk me through that. So you get off the plane. I mean, where did you, were you like at a hostel or something? Were you staying? Um, the, I, I See, this is what I love about the world as well. I'd done a little bit of research and I knew that Hong Kong was crazy and I'd heard about the notorious chunking mansions and that scared me a yeah. little bit. This was back in the day when you could join the YMCA and the YMCA was cheap back then. Like you, so, I joined the YMCA, and that was when the YMCA was maybe like forty pounds a week for a room at the YMCA. So, yeah, I arrived in Hong Kong and was staying at the YMCA on Waterloo Road. And the first two weeks I was in Hong Kong, I stayed there. And then after two weeks, they became the YMCA hotel, and were suddenly forty pounds a night. So I was like, right. okay, I'm going to venture into Chunking Mansions, and Chunking Mansions is basically. Moss Eisley spaceport. <laughs> you, you know, like yeah. all kinds of weird shit is going on there. Yeah. And but in Hong Kong, to find somewhere that's cheap to live in a convenient location is very hard. And with Chunking, I was young and I was like, okay, I can deal with this. So I found a guest house in Chunking. The people were lovely. I, I'm still in touch with them 30 odd years later. I rented a, a pretty good sized room, you know, had my own bathroom, everything. Yeah. And I'd start again, work as an extra. Um, yeah. Cause then, you were doing, cause I've seen, yeah. Cause obviously you've, you've yeah. acted in movies as well, mate. So was that the thing then you were just hoping you just wanted to get work in the film industry. It didn't really of matter. Course, to I'd, you I'd love to say yeah. that it was all part of the big plan. Right. Yeah. No, I was, no. I was like, yeah, I'm going to be a Kung Fu movie star. And then very quickly yeah, yeah. I realized I'm terrible at Kung Fu. And, <laughs> but you studied and trained. In oh, yeah. Kung I mean, Fu. I've yeah, yeah. I've dabbled in Wing Chun and I've yeah. dabbled in kickboxing and I've dabbled in this and that. And I will admit that I regret I didn't train seriously. Um, yeah. My problem was I never found that martial art that was like, okay, this is my foundation. This is the one I love. Yes. yes. So like uh, my old flatmate, Mike Miller, he came from a very solid Taekwondo background you know, one of, you know, and he'd fallen in love with Taekwondo. I never found that martial art where I was like, I have to train. I have to do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah So yeah. I wasn't enthusiastic enough to go to every casting and to, mm. to chase every role and everything. So I started getting opportunities behind the camera. So you've got guts. I'm going to bear you alive and jump on your head to revenge our sister. I'd love to, to claim I don't like acting, but... I, I, if they ask me to do it, I'll do it. But yeah. I, I like, um, like Big Brother, for instance. I didn't know I was in that movie until we started shooting, right? Because okay. I brought I brought in all the fighters, and they were filming at the studio at the end of my road. I'd said like, okay, guys, tomorrow I'll come by around about lunchtime, say hello and everything. And like seven o'clock in the morning, one of the ads calls me and was like, hey, Mike, uh, what time are you coming today? I went, oh, I'm gonna come around about lunchtime. Oh, can you come earlier? I'm like, okay, I can come maybe 11. Well, could you come now? I'm like, why? Well, Donnie needs you in the first shot. I'm like, I'm not in the movie. 
no no you are i'm like since when since this morning um because yeah. donnie had decided donnie saw some behind the scenes and went mike's perfect as like a a, a big bald loudmouth dana yeah. white kind of character so if you sure. watch the movie my costume makes no sense because i'm wearing my own sweatpants a t-shirt that doesn't fit me <laughs> because of course the costume department doesn't have a costume that fits me because they didn't know I was in the movie. (laughs) But with that, it was just, that was great fun because it was working with Donnie, with Kenji, with all the guys, my friend like Brahim and uh, Jess and Sammy and all those guys. And Donnie, at one point I felt really bad because Donnie one morning said, wait, get your guys together. And he sat down with us for three hours to talk about filmmaking. Wow. Which was fantastic. Yeah. I'm watching and there's Kenji and the director Garway and the line producer looking at me like, what the, what the hell are you guys doing? Because every single person they needed for the scene was sitting there drinking coffee with Donnie and chatting about movies. Yeah. I was like, Donnie wants to talk about movies. I'm not going to argue with him. And he's one of the yeah. producers, though. Ha-ha. <laughs> he, he is like that, though, isn't he? Like, he will... He's got time for people. And I remember Scott um, saying something similar on It Man 4. Like, he was very... He's very approachable, and he's more no, than willing it's, to... It's very funny, because I I met Donnie the second night I was in Hong Kong. Uh, wow. I met Donnie, John Salvetti, and Michael Woods by accident. Bumped into them in the street. And on the way to the premiere of Skinny Tiger, Fatty Dragon. Um, And me and Donnie didn't get along for a very long time. I don't know why. We just never really... I don't think we had a problem, but we weren't, like, very friendly towards each other. We worked together on and off on stuff, like, like, it meant to when I bought it, Darren, and everything. But then, like, uh, we just suddenly started to to be quite amicable and professional towards each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, And ever since get along very well i mean it was great to cast him in rogue one and then to work with him on chasing the dragon and on big brother and other stuff um people forget that donnie is a superstar and yes there are times where he's being pulled in 50 different directions and he doesn't have time to talk but you get him on the right day and he'll he'll sit down and chat it's the same with jackie if you get jackie on a good day jackie is awesome but occasionally you'll meet jackie on on a bad day and you forget that like everyone, he's got things to do. Like sometimes people forget that you, know, Donnie's making a movie, but he's also producing it, and he's also in pre-production on something else, and he's got meetings about something else, and he might be operating on three or four hours sleep, or he's got, you know, that's the thing that you start understanding when you're in movies. Like, um, like with Jackie Chan, for instance, when we were doing the Medallion, uh, Jackie was going to have a fan club gathering in Thailand. And there were going to be like 5,000 fans flying in from around the world. Like, you know, probably 4,000 from Japan and 1,000 from like Europe and America, etc. Yeah. The day before the event, Jackie Chan's mother died. And everybody was like, okay, we'll cancel the event. And everything. And Jackie was like, no. He was like, these people have saved their money to come and do mm. this trip. I need to be there for them. And yeah. then after that, I will go back to Australia. And I I just lost my mother a couple of months earlier. And it was remarkable to see Jackie smiling and taking pictures with everyone and being charming and being nice. And every so often he'd excuse himself 
and you you knew that he was outside, you know, crying or whatever. Yeah. But it was like, yeah, 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 yeah. I've had that where you meet someone today and you go, wow, what a dick, and then you find out, oh, they just got hit with this or that or this. Yeah, just had an off day. Yeah, yeah, and then there's that like a there's an actor who passed away, Kenneth Chang, uh, the guy yeah. from The Killer, yeah. and everything. Kenneth could be the most charming, lovable uncle you've ever met. And five seconds later, you know, he was chastising you about your haircut, your, your, your sense of clothing, yeah. the way you carried yourself on set. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, um, I did a movie with him a couple, about a year ago called The Modelizer. And all through pre production, I was going, I was going, oh, guys, just to let you know, Kenneth can be very moody. And part of the problem is Kenneth is a, was deaf. And he yeah. would turn off his hearing aid when he didn't want to talk to you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All through pre-production, everyone was like, no, mate, Kenneth is so charming. And on the first day of filming, they were like, mate, Kenneth is not being very charming. I went, yeah. I said, that's Kenneth. But yeah. then at the end of the shoot, after he'd finished his part, he's then going up to all the people he gave a hard time to and thanking them for their hard work and for putting up with him and everything. And you just go, the same thing. Sometimes, you know, the mood would take him. Sometimes, you know, you'd go, wait a minute, he's an 82-year-old man and we're keeping him on set for 12 hours. Yeah. yeah. It's like a, when I did the Bodyguard movie with Richard Earn, at one point I've got Richard on the floor in a puddle and I'm kicking him. <laughs> and Richard's like, Mike, can we get this in one or two takes? Because, you know, I'm like 75 years old. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm so sorry, Richard. I'm so sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but Richard's like, Mike, I'm fine with it, but can we get it done fast? But no, with Donnie, I have a lot of respect for Donnie. He knows what he's doing. He knows what he can do. I just think it's a pity that he didn't break out a few years uh, earlier. I know. And I know. It seems slightly cruel. He's finally got that acclaim that he's been deserving for so long. But you're absolutely right. It was a shame he didn't. Um... You could say the same for Jackie, though. I mean, Jackie yeah, no, really... And, that, and that's the know. frustrating thing, because like, with Jackie, people go, oh, wait, Jackie's not as fast as he was on Drunken Master 2. I go, what, you mean the movie from 30 years ago? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah. Like, I'm like, are you as fast as you were 30 years ago? Yeah. <laughs> Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. So you were the ones who were drug smuggling for the master. You landed in in the early nineties, and you're working with these guys as well, Mike. It must have been incredible to have, like, you know, there's Jet Li in the flesh, there's Samu, you know, and you're. Oh you're god, yeah. I mean, I, I, as as cheesy as it sounds, I still get starstruck, and I still get. Yeah, of course. If I interview Jackie, I will go home tonight, and I will listen to that interview, and I will write it up. 
Yeah, yes, yeah, because yes, I won't get. I yes. did interview Jackie Chan. This, this is awesome. I was trying to get Jackie for an interview for the '88 films releases, all the old low Ray movies, and I was, yeah, I was going back and forth, and I was going, look, I just want to shoot a generic interview with Jackie, where we'll talk about things. I know he has issues with the low Ray movies, but just if we could get half an hour, you know, that'd be fantastic. Yeah. And they said to me, well we'll get back to you. And then a couple of days later, one of Jackie's team called me and said, Hey Mike, do you still live in Saikung? I went, yeah. They went, well, Jackie's at his office in Saikung. Why don't you come down the office and have a chat with him? So I was like, okay. So I, I rocked down there and his assistant, Dorothy goes, Oh, Hey Mike, Jackie's in there. And I walk in and he's asleep on the sofa. Right. And I, so I come out and I go, he's asleep. And I'm like, well, wake him up. I'm like, I can't wake him up. Like, you know, like I don't want to wake him up and he'll be angry with me. So his assistant goes, oh, I'll just make you some coffee and we'll, we'll work it out. So she makes me some coffee and suddenly Jackie, I think, smelt the coffee and comes in. And Jackie's like, oh, hey, mate, long time. You got fat. I was like, thank you, Doug. Oh, yeah. It's, 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 <laughs> you know, we, have a, we have a chat and he's telling me how he doesn't want to do an interview about the low-ray movies. He doesn't really like them. And like you know, him yeah. and low-ray had a lot of issues. And I'm like, okay, sure. But he goes, let's just chat. And we talk about movies and recent projects and, you know, how people have evolved and everything. And it's great. And I'm sort of going, wow, that was really cool. And I go, well, I'm going to leave now. And he's like, oh, uh, do you have a car? And I said, no, I'll just walk down the path to the main road, get a taxi. He's like, yeah, I drive you to the main road. I was like, oh, thank you. You're going to drive me like 500 meters. Like, thanks. Yeah. So he drives me. And then he goes, where are you going? I said, oh, I was just going to go to like the, the train station. He goes, ah, I drive you to the train station. I got home seven hours later because Jackie decided I want to go and look at my life. So we drove past the old Shaw brothers. He goes, wait, let's go to Shaw brothers. And we drove into Shaw brothers and we walked around Shaw brothers talking about movies and stuff. And and Shaw brothers called me and said, Hey Mike, uh, our security says that you're at Shaw brothers with Jackie Chan. What are you doing? And we're just walking around talking and they're like, okay, are you filming anything? I went, no, I wish I was. You know? yeah, 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 and then yeah. we went to the old Golden Harvest. And Jackie's like, oh, look at this. The housing estate it used to be Golden Harvest. Blah, 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 blah. Then we drove to Mirador Mansions, which is uh, just down the road from Chunking Mansions. And it's where Jackie used to have an apartment. Like back in the day when it was luxury yeah. housing. And we ended up driving around Hong Kong. And it was, it was fantastic because it was Jackie talking about his life. And I'm going... I wish I had a camera crew with me. I wish I could be recording all this. Yeah. You know? yeah. But it was yeah. just, it was great. And I went home and I was like, I got to hang out with Jackie for seven hours. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah, like, wow. That was awesome. And it's the same with Samo and you will be like, for say it Man four, when you will ping call me and say, Hey, we need to, to find someone to fight daddy chair. You know? And I was like, okay. And he goes, whoever you think can do it, Mike. Yeah. And, you know, and I was like, oh, okay, well, this is who I recommend. And I recommended Mark Strange. And yeah, great. they were like, okay, if you think he's right, we bring him. And it was, ref- it's, it's one, you whooping's giving me a, giving me face. And two, he's going, Mike knows what we need. And yeah. we brought in Mark and Mark was awesome. And you whooping was having fun. Like um, at one point, Danny Chang kicks Mark Strange in the head and splits Mark's head open. And hurts his foot. So Danny's yeah. on the floor going, oh, my foot, my foot. And everyone's tending to Danny. 
and hasn't realized Mark's head's bleeding. And Mark's leaning over, dripping blood, going, I'm really sorry. Sorry about that. And yeah. your opinion's like, Mike, why is your friend saying sorry? He is the one who is bleeding. We should say sorry to him. You know, and it was so great to see. Yeah. Yeah, to work because, with your heroes. Yeah, yeah. and, and the, that's the thing. There's certain people you work with, you go, wow, that was really disappointing. Ah. Yeah, which is really sad. Yeah. Like Lam Ching Ying, for instance. Lam Ching Ying was very distant to people. Like, I remember when I first met him, I was like, hey, I'm a big fan of your work. And he was like, why? <laughs> you know, and really, like, really? I'm like, I'm a, and he was like, these movies weren't intended for foreigners. You wow. know? And he was very, yeah. and I was like, can I take a picture with you? If you can. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, wow. And then I worked with him on a bunch of movies. And Summer Hung said to me, he goes, wait, you have to say that's Lam Ching Ying's personality. Yeah. He's like that to everyone. But if yeah. you ask Lam Ching Ying, hey, Lam, I need you to jump off a building and land in a teacup. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And like, he, it was just realizing that's Lam Ching Ying's personality. He was very standoffish. Yeah. And like when he passed away, the same thing. He didn't tell anyone he was sick. He basically mm-hmm. cut communication with everyone, like with his girlfriend, with everyone. He was just like, "Yeah, Ben, uh, I can't talk to you anymore." Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, you're like, right. "Oh, Lam Ching's having a mood with me." No, he was just saying goodbye. And then you meet certain people who just blow you away because there's so much more than you expected. Like Shamway, who passed away recently. The he was one of the villains of the Protector in Logo of the Law, etc. That was a guy who, in movies, would always play the sleazy, uneducated gangster. And he was an incredibly charismatic, incredibly intelligent, incredibly well-educated character. Did you know Lao Galung? Lao Galung, I knew distantly. Yeah, uh, I met yeah. him through Mark Houghton, and then I interviewed him a couple of times. Yeah, He was a real Sifu on and off screen. You're like, yes, yes. You know, he, you know, he would tell you, okay, we're going to meet at 10 o'clock. And you'd better be there at ten o'clock. You know, yeah. In fact, you'd better be there at nine thirty in case I'm early. You know. Yeah. And very intelligent, knew his stuff. Sadly, I never got to know him as well as I hoped. Uh, Gordon yeah. Liu, God bless. I I managed to know him pretty well, and uh, yeah. it was such a pity when he had his stroke. Because yeah, is he how how is are you he's, get, he's, he's getting well? better now. There's certain people who what like are too nice. You, know, you have this image of certain people from movies, like, uh, like okay, like the Croydon connection, Kirk Wong from The Big Hair and Crime Story. Yeah, yeah. Kirk Wong studied fashion design at Croydon College. And Fantastic. The first time I met Kirk Wong, I got up to Golden Harvest to visit the set of Crime Story, and I was walking around Golden Harvest looking for Jackie, and I went into Jackie's office, and I see... This guy, and I didn't know it was Kirk Wong. I, I knew him from the movies, but I didn't know he was Kirk Wong. And he looks at me and he goes, oh, we went to the same school. And I'm like, what do you mean? Because I happen to be wearing a Croydon College t-shirt. Oh, wow. And I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, I went to Croydon College. I studied fashion design. I'm like, you studied fashion design? The same thing. <laughs> Kirk Wong looks like he's this dumb criminal. Yeah. But incredibly well-educated. Some people surpass your expectations. And I'm sure you've had it with some interviews where you, you, you know, you've gone, okay, I'm going to get 20 minutes with this person and you get an hour or you get, yeah. they talk about stuff like a, when me and Anna interviewed Choi Hark for, for Zoo Warriors, it was very funny because Choi Hark's assistant was like, you might get 20 minutes if you're lucky. 
Sure. And I was like, okay, I got three hours out of him. Yeah. Because he was in a good mood and he was like, you guys know my movies. This is cool. And he kept telling his assistant, no, no, I'm I'm doing the interview. It's fine. And it was great because you're like, he's he's happy. The funny thing is sometimes when you realize that a movie that to you means so much to them was just a couple of days' work. Exactly. Yeah. And they were churning out films yeah. back then as well. Um, so, I remember yeah. interviewing uh, Wong Wong Wei and we're talking about Five Deadly Venoms and he's like, oh, I was being punished. I'm going, it's so cool in this movie that you don't fight. And he's like, oh, that's because Chang Chan was punishing me. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah. no, but it's so cool you don't fight. He's like, what do you mean it's so cool? Everyone else fights in this movie. I don't. It's not fair. Yeah. Like uh, when we were doing Fearless... We're all having dinner one night, and I'm talking to Jet Li about Dragonfight, you know, the movie he did with Steve, Stephen Chow. Yeah, yeah. And a whole bunch of the crew were like, wait a minute, Jet Li and Stephen Chow made a movie in America? When? And I'm like, oh, 1989. You know, and then Jet's like, oh, next year we will be saying you don't know I directed a movie. Whole table goes quiet. Yeah, you know, oh, you directed a movie? Yeah, you know, and you realize that certain movies just like, had that impact in certain countries. Certain yeah. movies didn't. Well, Some people like Gordon Liu. Gordon Liu knew all his movies. So you yeah, can say, Gordon, hey, Gordon, let's yeah. talk about Dirty Home. Let's talk about that. Oh, okay. Blah, 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 blah. Some of these guys, yeah. you realize it was a production line. They're like, I, I left the set and I never looked back. You don't think you can defeat me, do you? Hey! I'll beat you down in less than 30 strokes. You've stepped more into a um, casting role and a producing role and working behind the scenes just quickly just on being a casting agent what does that what does that actually mean then mike okay, so what I'm, does that I'm not what a does casting that agent i'm a casting yeah. director casting uh, director yeah basically a casting agent would be that i represent the actor yeah and i'm yeah. pushing them so occasionally i'll do that for certain yeah. people but i don't like doing that i'd rub because you get people playing that. Oh, you're only putting Ben forward because you represent him. And it's like, no, because Ben can play, play the role. So yeah, as a casting yeah, yeah. director, I'll sit down with the director and they'll go, Hey mate, we're looking for someone to play these characters. You know, like for, say for like, uh, chasing the dragon, they wanted, you know, someone who could hold their own as an actor against Donnie and Andy Lau. Yeah. And the funny thing was they tried casting in Hong Kong, but, They'd casted Hong Kong the wrong way. They'd given everyone a Google Translate document. And the problem is, Cantonese, every word has eight variations. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, Ben has eight different meanings. Yeah. 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 So they were giving people this terrible direction. People are coming and doing a terrible audition. So I was like, okay, let me do, let me write a scene and get people to do a proper audition. I was like, I really think for this, we need to bring someone in from overseas. You know, someone who can hold up to the thing as an actor. There's other movies like Fearless, where like for Fearless, Fearless was great because Fearless, I got to spend six and a half months traveling the world looking for fighters because originally Fearless, the end tournament, was meant to be a tournament. There was meant to be 12 different fighters. Mm. So like uh, if you watch Fearless, there's two Chinese guys who stand next to Jet Li for the entire film. One's a bulky sander guy and the other's a young wushu guy. 
they were hired to fight. They never got to fight because the movie changed. And and that's working closely with like Yen Wu Ping or or Ronnie Yu on a, on a on a movie like that. And they're describing. So we need someone uh, who fits this bill. Who have you yeah, got, cause, Mike? Because what then, people yeah. forget is there's a lot more to casting than just going. Oh, Ben's making a movie. I want to be in it. Yes, you know, yes. sometimes the director will go, "Yeah, Ben, you've got everything but the look. I have a specific yeah. idea for this character." You know, or Ben, I want to say something else. Like, prime example, Scott. Scott, audition, Scott auditioned for me for Fearless. Scott, yeah. Scott was, Scott wanted to work on Chasing the Dragon, but Donnie was like, the character isn't right for Scott because the character's not a fighter. If I hire Scott and he doesn't fight, everybody will say, oh, Donnie's knocking Scott down. We're not letting him fight. Yeah. And he goes, and it wouldn't fit the story if I suddenly try and change this character into a fighter. Mm-hmm. For for Big Brother, Donnie was like, "No, the role isn't big enough for Scott. I have yeah. something else in mind." And that was it, Man Four. You know, yeah, sometimes it's timing. When we were doing Fearless, I met two guys in LA, uh, Jamal Duff and John Duff. They're seven foot four twin brothers, African Americans. Yeah, and I met them at the casting. Was like, these guys are awesome. I have nothing in the movie for them. But then two years later, we're doing Blood, The Last Vampire, and the director's like, Mike, I had a nightmare. I've got this idea for a scene at a vampire bar. I want someone to play the bouncer at a vampire bar. And I said, well, how about two people, twin brothers, seven foot four, big black guys? And he was like, if you know such people, call them. And I called up the Duff brothers and were like, hey, I don't know if you remember me. We met like two years ago. I can send you the script. I can't send you the scene because it's being written. I was like, here's a couple of people in LA who will vouch for me. And the Duff brothers came and they rolled with it and they were excellent. And we did a full on fight scene with Junji Hun, which they ended up cutting, which is really stupid. <laughs> you must get receive a lot of, well, I bet I get back in the day videotapes, but it's probably YouTube links now or all sorts of stuff. But um, when you're when you're going through that stuff, Mike, are you what are you looking for? Would you um, would you say? I I will be honest. I will look at everything. Like yeah, even if I don't have anything for you at the moment, I might. You might be so good that I go, holy shit! Let me show this to people. This this yeah. guy's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the problem I find is a lot of people misrepresent themselves. Or just don't know how to to present themselves properly. Like, uh, like I love social media, and I think social media is fantastic. But a lot of people don't seem to understand that there is a way to do things. Like, a uh, a guy messaged me a couple of weeks ago, and it's on Instagram. He's like, "Hey, hey, you, you know, I hear you're the guy with the hookups in Hong Kong. You you need to hire me, man." And I responded, right. "I was like, hi, Dave, you know, brackets." Yes, I'm using your name. When you contact people, it's really helpful to use their name. I was like, yes, yeah. Maybe you could send me your showreel, your resume, et cetera, so I can take a look at it. And I get this response like, this was not, you know, like, how dare you talk to me like this? I will remember this interaction. Uh, And I'm like, okay, dude, I'm like, if you're going to get offended by me saying, hey, can you use people's names? I don't want you on a film set. Yeah. Because on a film set, people are going to go, Mike, get the bald guy, get the old guy, get the fat guy, get whatever. <laughs> You're like, 
Yeah, yeah. yeah well, there's no space for egos no, in, exactly. in that and, situation. And that's the thing. When we were doing Fearless, a guy contacts me. And it was very funny. He'd, a, he was a guy from England. And he'd messaged me a couple of months before. And he said, oh, hey, uh, I'm trying to break into film. Could you give me the contact info for Yunwa Pig and Samuel Hood and blah, 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 blah. And I'd gone, sure. Here's their company companies. No, no, no. Can you give me their private info? And I went, no, I can't. No. And I never heard back from him again. Suddenly, I get an email from this guy telling me that he is arriving in Hong Kong tomorrow. So I tell him, hey, I just started casting for this movie. Uh, maybe you can come in and do an audition. You know, can you send me your showreel? Give me a bit of information. Oh, I don't have a showreel. And I'm like, okay, you've come to Hong Kong specifically to break in the film. You don't have a show around with. Okay. What's your martial arts style? Oh, I'm self-taught. Okay. I'm like, well, I'm looking for people to play champions. So I'm probably looking for people like 25 up. Oh, I'm 18. Okay. But I look like I'm 16. Okay. Why don't you come in tomorrow and do an audition for me? Because I'm thinking, number one, maybe you're incredible. Yeah. Number two. Maybe you're not right for this, but I can recommend you for something else. And number three, you'll get a bit of experience. Yeah, yeah. Immediately, who's going to be at the casting? I say, well, me and my assistant. Oh, if you were paying a jet Li aren't going to be at the casting, who are you to judge me? And I'm like, uh, they're not going to come to a casting. <laughs> you know? yeah, and yeah, yeah. the guy went back to England and did a huge thing about how he came to Hong Kong and everybody was scared of him and wouldn't give him opportunities. And it's like, no, dude, you you, were, you, you put your own wall up. My go-to guys like Brahim, Mike Muller, yeah. uh, Sammy, Tom Cassano, some of these guys, because I know they're going to come and they're going to bring exactly what's needed in case of skills and attitude, and I can rely on them. Because what people yeah. forget is, I don't hire you just because you're my friend. I hire you because you can do the job. If you're my friend and you come to the set and you're shit, it makes me look bad. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, and the problem is, like, people like to play the victim and claim, oh, yeah, I'm being blocked or there's this or there's that, but they don't tell you any of the stuff they do. There's a one actor who at various times has sent me and various other people threats. And I'm like, dude, how are you expecting us to hire you? Mm. <laughs> yeah. Do, do you find it encouraging though, Mike? I guess that, that Hong Kong still has this reputation where it's almost like you've got, if you want to be in great martial arts action movies, there is still this reputation where you need to do, you need to go to Hong Kong because that's the, the birthplace and that's where, you well, know, it's I mean, all, it, it's all that, happening. The, the yeah. thing is, a lot of people still seem to think that there's 400 movies going. Yeah, and yeah. they think it's going to all kick off tomorrow. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Th there's a guy from England who had been sending me his reels and everything. And he was constantly, yeah, I want to come to Hong Kong. And I said, well, if you want to come to Hong Kong, come to Hong Kong. I said, yeah. you know, nobody's going to fly you in. I said, the chances of you being flown in, unless you're a name, are very hard. But I said, my suggestion would be go to China. There's more productions in China. I said, and to fly you from somewhere in China to Hong Kong is very cost-effective. It's not a huge issue. And this guy's like, no, I want to work in Hong Kong. I went, yeah, but there's not any work at the moment. Oh, no, mm. Hong Kong makes 400 movies a year. I went, no, it doesn't. 
then you get other people who will come and will work their ass off. Like there's a, a young guy in uh, China called Troy Sanford, Troy's team. Uh, you should yeah. interview him. Troy is awesome. Yeah. Follow those guys on, um, on Instagram. Yeah, they're great. When I die and they make a movie, I want yeah. this in the movie. We were, f- we were doing Man of Tai Chi for Keanu Reeves. Yes. And Keanu says to me, for this, for the opening scene, I need Bambi. I need someone that when he dies, the audience will go, oh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and I'm like trying to find someone. And everyone I find, Keanu's like, if he dies, I won't feel sorry. You know, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. A friend of mine from South Africa, a Tai Chi teacher, Liz Legner, uh, happens to message me to say hello. And I, she's like, what are you doing? And I say, oh, I'm doing this. I'm looking at And she goes, oh, I've got a student who's in Beijing. He's an 18-year-old boy, but he looks like a 16-year-old girl. And I was like, fantastic. Get him to call me. Yeah. And Troy calls me up. And at the time, he had long, curly hair. And he's like, ridiculously polite, ridiculously nice. I'm like, look, can you come in for an audition? And he's like, sure. He comes into the audition. At the audition, there is me, there is Yu Ping, and there is Keanu Reeves. Troy comes in, introduces himself, and starts doing his uh, audition, and proceeds to violently vomit across the room while he's doing Kung Fu. Gosh. But keeps going. Yeah. And at the end of it, we're all like, this is fantastic. That was funny as hell. <laughs> you know? <laughs> And he's like, I'm so sorry. I had food poisoning. I'm like, no, dude, it's okay. You can go. We'll clean it up. And Keanu was like, didn't you feel sorry for him? Mm. I was like, yeah. And he goes, that's the guy we need. And it sounds stupid. He made that impression because Keanu was like, I feel sorry for that guy. And Troy came in, worked his ass off. I called him up and offered him the role. And I was like, you need to come and start training. He's like, yeah, but I'm not very good. I was like, dude, that's why I'm asking you to come and train. You're like, mm. and Troy works very hard. He's a genuine action director. He's yep. genuinely hardworking. Uh, him and his guys, they train, they teach, they make short films. They've done a couple of web movies as action directors. They understand there's an audition process. We've got to put stuff. A lot of people... Don't understand that. A lot of people just seem to think, yeah, Ben, uh, I'm sorry, I want to be in movies. You're going to hook me up. Mm. Yeah, it's like, well, a, there's no what, shortcuts. People want yeah, those it's like shortcuts. When, they? when we did Big Brother, we just finished, and I posted a, a thing saying thanks to Jess and everyone. And some guy contacts me from America and was like, hey, man, you're a shit casting director. You don't know what you're doing hiring that guy. You know, I'm, a, I'm a former Bellator champion, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, Hey man, what a great way to introduce yourself. Yeah. <laughs> tell me I know nothing about what I'm doing. And I said, and tell me you're a former Bellator champion. I'm like, but you can't send me a reel or anything, right? Oh, no, I'm just telling you. I'm, re-. I'm like, dude, this is not how it works. Hey, don't be tricked by him. He's got iron feet. Who to you then could be, you know, big next generation of action film stars, martial artists. Who, who's the up-and-coming talent, would you um, say? Okay, I think Brahim Chab yep. has the potential to be kind of a new Sky Adkins. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Brahim brings an incredible amount of skills, a great attitude. He's super mellow and easy to deal with. I just used him for Monkey Man with Dev Patel as the action yeah. director. He's this, and he yeah, did an yeah, awesome yeah. job on that. 
Uh, he just did Ganapath with Tiger Shroff, uh, where yeah. he's the main villain. And I just used him on the Herman Yell movie, War Customized, Can't Be Customs Frontline, where he's the main villain. And it's 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 a role worthy of Scott on like, you know, it's an it men two, it men four level of role. Yeah. It's it's yeah. it's not just come out for a few kicks and leave. It's a proper thing. I think him, yeah. Mark Strange with the right projects could yes. go really yeah. far. In Germany, there's that whole scene with Andy Long and Oh no, Andy um, Andy Long is fantastic. Andy Long yeah. should be Andy Long should be doing more stuff in front of the camera. Sarah Chang, who I bought into yeah. X-Men too, she's really good. Maria Tran, yeah. Maria should do more. Maria's just doing this big TV show in Australia with Tim Roth, where she's got a really, really good main role on that. And I think that'll get that'll get her to people because people outside of martial arts will see her stuff. Yes. Because yes. what sometimes I don't think people realize is some casting directors will never look at a martial arts movie. When we did Ultimate Justice in Germany, it yep. was very funny because Mark Dacascos watches martial arts movies, but not fanatically. You know, so like, uh, like you know, Mark's, Mark is awesome. Mark should, be a, Mark should be the biggest star on the planet. Mark is just, yeah. to this day, I cannot say enough good things about him. He's, he's yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but like, Mark is an accidental martial arts movie star. Even for John Wick, Mark was in New York to do Shakespeare in the Park. Yeah, yeah, he's a Shakespeare. Yeah, he's a huge Shakespeare thing. And he bumped into Keanu and Chad Stileski. And originally, Hiroyuki Sonata was going to play Mark's role. Ah, okay. And Sonata was busy, so Mark was going to play a smaller role. And then they went, you know what? Mark can play the character yeah and yeah. i really hope that john wick three was going to open more doors for him yeah because yes someone needs to push him into the next thing on the mainstream it's like for scott it's the same with scott i was just going to say that yeah, yeah. like yeah. scott since the first time he ever spoke to me to now i have the highest respect for him. he puts in the work yeah he's really easy to deal with there is no bullshit. There is no ego. The funny thing was, me and Scott had known each other for years, but abduction was the first time we actually worked together on the same uh, set. Really? Really? Like, okay. And at the end of the shoot, we both said to each other, I was really worried you were going to be a dick. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and another reason I love Scott is when we, were, when we finished abduction, we were taking the slow boat back to Hong Kong and Scott was like, I was going to interview Scott, and he was like, I don't do the interview. What movies have you got on your computer? I got King of the Kickboxes. Let's watch King of the Kickboxes. <laughs> oh, so I saw watch, you so watching that. Yeah, we're yeah. watching King of the Kickboxes, and Scott is live streaming, like, yeah, we're watching King of the yeah, Kickboxes. Yeah. And then by chance, Lauren Avenden happened to call me. <laughs> right. And Scott turned into an 11-year-old boy. Yeah, yeah. It was like, Lauren, Lauren, you don't understand. I met you at your Clash of the Titans event in England, and I asked you if I could be a movie star like you, and you said, sure, kid, one day you'll make it. And that meant so much to me, and it inspired me. Yeah. Then Lauren's like, is this for real? I was like, yep, this is is real. Scott should be a bigger star. Yeah, Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Who else? Jean-Paul Lee, the same thing. Jean-Paul Lee is an incredibly talented dude. Same thing, incredibly respectful. Certain people... Like Max Jang. 
Max should have. Max makes a great villain. I don't think he. I, I hate to say that I don't think he has the charisma as a hero. I thought he was yeah. very good in Master Z. Yeah. But I think most of the other movies haven't really served yeah. him well. Tony Jar. Tony Jar got his career back on track thanks to Mike Selby and Brett Norensberg, who, who represent him. Eco has done fantastic. Yeah, Eco's I mean, Eco. Yeah. And I'm, I'm so proud to know Eco and also to have been a little bit because I hooked him up with his US management who got him everything. Because yeah. I was like, he just needs the right people. The yeah. same with Gareth. Gareth Evans, the reason that the raid and everything looks so good. It's not just because of the choreographers. Gareth is as much a part of the choreography as he is yeah. the director. The problem is for someone like Gareth or John Woo or Donnie, whatever, they're shooting stuff that's in their head. Like uh, when we were doing Legend of the Wolf, I remember me and yeah. Kenji were laughing because we both said if Donnie died, nobody could edit this movie <laughs> because Donnie yeah. had it all in his head. So he was like, yeah, oh, yeah. Ben, can you give me a minute of reactions? And you're like, what? Because he goes, so that I've always got something to cut to. So there's a reel of you going, oh, I, 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 I. yes, yes. But if you just looked at the rough footage, you go, what the hell is going on? Yeah. You know, because it was all in Donnie's head. Sometimes I think with, with digital now, people get sloppy. Like uh, when we did Pound of Flesh, I, I got very pissed off with our DOP because I'm getting nailed in the car for real. And he's going, oh, sorry, there's someone in the background. I'm like, you got to make sure that's clear first. Yeah, I'm going to get yeah. for real. Just quickly on that, one of the iconic Van Damme moments is him doing, with you in the headlock and him doing the splits. It's one of those uh, great yeah, images. I will say like it that. was a very yeah. hard day of filming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like, I looked like a raccoon the next day. I had, <laughs> I had two black eyes, you know. Um, but it's it right was, up there. It's him doing the splits in Bloodsport between oh, the yeah. chairs. Oh, yeah, I mean, I, I love doing, it. I mean, it, yeah. it, it was yeah, it was a painful day because I didn't know I was getting hit for real until I got to the set. Right, yeah. Because you know, John was like, it's all about the realism, Mike. <laughs> yeah. <Yes. laughs> um, and it's funny because I've known Jean-Claude forever. And so yeah. Yeah. there were moments where he'd hit me and then he'd be like, I'm really sorry. I'm like, okay, dude, you just ruined the shot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sure, sure. And he's like, oh, shit. I'm like, you just punched me and then he went, Mike, are you okay? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Are you still in touch with, with Van Damme? Is he... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, he, he's yeah, yeah. good. Um, and same thing. He's a, He is an enigma. There is so much yes. more for him than people will ever know. I, I, I consider yeah. myself lucky that over 30 years of friendship and I've seen the best of him and I've seen the worst of him. Yeah. And... There are times when I want to kill him, and I'm sure he wants to kill me. Yeah. But there are also times where he has gone out his way, like uh, when my mother passed away, uh, yeah. I'd gone back to England to take care of things for the funeral. And he messaged me, was like, hey, I was trying to get hold of you. Why aren't you answering your phone? And I was like, oh, sorry, dude, I'm in England because of this. Two minutes later, he called me in England, was like, Mike, are you okay? Is there anything I can do? The same thing. People forget he's a superstar, he's got yeah. a billion things on his mind. Yeah, and sometimes yeah, he will forget things and everything, and then sometimes he will remember stuff. We did a shoot with him in Hong Kong with Arda, where he wanted to train some people, and I was blown away because he starts telling everyone, "Oh yeah, the first time I met Mike is this, and then this happened," and I was like, "Holy shit, he remembers this!" You know, yeah. there are projects I wish he'd done. 
Yeah, yeah. It's a few missed and, opportunities and, and, there. And, yeah, and yeah. projects we were meant to do, we were meant to do a project called Neighbours, which would have been him and Steven Seagal in an action comedy. And oh, wow. It was a really cool action comedy where basically Van Damme and Seagal are playing themselves and their neighbours in Hollywood and they're declaring war on each other. Okay, that's very good. I know who you are, you bastard. Your time has come, then your son. What are you currently working on? Can you can you say I, what you're I'm currently you're working, working on something that I can't say. I just yeah, signed okay. a contract for something very very exciting. Okay. Uh, that I, I I I I just signed like two days ago, and I'm really excited about. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. There's a a couple of projects in the Philippines with Pedro Lopez. Yeah. Uh, Pedro, I think, has the potential to be a Gareth Evans. Um, yeah. He's a really talented director. He's got a lot of great ideas. There's a, a project with Mark Strange and Matt Rutledge that I'm working on to shoot in the UK, uh, which is like a really cool action movie. And if, if that comes together, we'll have you down to do a set report. Oh, awesome, Mike. That's very that's very kind of you. And listen, thanks for thanks for doing this today. No, as I said, young man, a pleasure, sir. Sorry for Thank waffling you. too much, and I will talk to you soon. Yes. Thank you, Mike. Thanks, man. Take it easy. Okay. Bye-bye. Mike Leader there. What a treat that was to finally sit down and chat to Mike. I do hope you enjoyed listening to that conversation. I should say that we actually spoke for around three hours that day. So this one did take a little longer to whittle it down in the edit. Mike has so many great stories about the many movies he's worked on and of course all the great martial arts stars that he's worked with over the years. And he has worked with all the big names the biggest and best in the genre so if you don't follow mike on social media then you really should fix that he posts regularly lots of classic clips and the latest developments in the world of martial arts movies follow mike on twitter and instagram under the name at big mike leader that's all one word i messaged mike ahead of this episode's release just to bring us all up to speed on a few of the projects he is currently working on quite a few of those are nda'd so he can't spill the beans on too much but he did send over a little update so herman yow's customs frontline that stars nicholas jair and jackie chung nicholas jair of course was so good in raging fire the donnie yen movie from couple of years back no official release dates just yet on this one but mike cast and managed brahim chab who plays the film's main villain brahim of course was my guest on episode 70 of this podcast mike tells me that it looks set to be one of the biggest action movies of the year so that's herman yell's customs frontline keep an eye out for that one mike can also be seen in front of the camera on the upcoming andy lau and eddie peng action thriller i did it my way he tells me he's playing a south american gangster via south croydon and uh, he's been keeping busy providing plenty of audio commentaries and special features for a number of upcoming blu-ray releases for a number of labels around the world mike will also be producing a new female driven hong kong thriller and working on an Irwin allen style disaster movie set during the huge typhoon that hits hong kong china and macau a few years ago so plenty to look forward to there in the world of mike leader a huge thank you to mike 
for taking the time to talk to me and of course a big thank you to you the loyal foo follower who has listened to this podcast all the way to the very end thank you so much i'm super excited to share with you all some really great conversations that i've been having over the next few weeks and months so keep it locked to all the usual kfmg pod channels for all the latest news and information about this podcast and in the meantime tell all your friends follow the show share comment like and subscribe and i will speak to you all again very soon in two weeks in fact with another new episode of the kung fu movie guide podcast thank you food followers for all your support do take care and bye for now hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.